Okay, I want to welcome everybody to the Model Railroad Hobbyist e-magazine podcast. Joining me today is Gary Polino of Train Tech out of uh, Waltham, Massachusetts, and we're going to be talking about uh, DCC. We're going to start with the basics. I've noticed that there's a number of people I run into at my local hobby shop that are asking basic questions and so forth, and so we're just going to start uh, taking a basic look at it, and this will be a multi-part uh, series. And so, Gary, how's it going up in uh, Massachusetts today? That's a beautiful spring weather is finally here, and uh, we don't have the feet and feet of snow that we had for the last few months. It finally all melted, and uh, looking forward to talking about getting started with DCC. Okay, very good. Here the heat is driving everybody inside. As I mentioned, it's uh, 105 here today, but actually that's kind of mild, and the humidity is under 5%. So when you go out, you can feel your skin just shrivel. So it's a good day to own stock in the uh, moisturizing skin cream business. So the first thing we want to talk about, and we're going to start with the basics, and so... Just what is DCC and what does it do? Well, essentially, DCC or digital command control, um, it allows multiple operators to control their trains independently of each other, even on the same track. Um, and we, we don't have to have track blocks and multiple power packs and selector switches. It, uh, it um, really frees us up from all, from all of that um, one of the very first command control systems was General Electric's Astrak system, which was um, built back in the early 1960s. And what they did is they had um, specialized receivers installed in locomotives, uh, which in turn responded to signals sent through the track. And the system had um, five channels, and you basically could control five locomotives. Um, it was very short-lived, but essentially, it was the granddaddy of modern-day command control systems. Um, after that, uh, you know, we had systems which were um, like CTC-16, uh, CTC-80, and uh, the famous Dynatrol system. And all of those helped advance the industry towards what we, uh, what we see today and uh, developed more realistic train control. Um, the concept of DCC came along. And Bernard Lenz uh, was one of the pioneers, and uh, he he made his design available to the NMRA, which in turn wound up being adopted as the standard um, for our present-day DCC systems. And other DCC companies were were formed, and that really started the revolution of uh, modern-day DCC systems. So we went from the very early days of having a five-channel analog system to the present-day systems, which have the ability to run 9,999 simultaneous addresses over a pair of wires all on the same track. That is amazing. It, it, it really is. 9,999. Okay. If you think uh, about the traditional method we had of running trains, um, we had no power on the track. And if we cranked up the knob on a power pack, 
voltage was applied and the engine would start running. And if we placed a second engine on there, it would also run. So to prevent this, we divided our layout into blocks and we used multiple power packs with block selector switches for what we called cab control. So in essence, we controlled our track to run our trains. Um, okay. DCC. DCC is uh, is the opposite. You know, we have full power on the track all the time, um, which allows us to have locomotives sitting there with the lights on and the sound running, just uh, just like the prototype does. And the reason we can do that is each locomotive has its own decoder in it and responds to its own unique address. So now, in just the opposite of the old way, instead of controlling our track to run our trains, we're now controlling our trains just like the prototype. Okay. So there's a, the, the signal that goes out through the rail then has a characteristic that allows the, the decoder to recognize it as being intended for it, and so it responds to it. That's right. Okay. Everything, everything is discreetly controlled. All right. So then what, you know, what components do we need to uh, put DCC on our layout? A DCC system uh, essentially has four um, major components or essential components. Um, first is an input device, and this can be a handheld throttle, um, or nowadays we can even use a PC, or even more exciting is a PC and a smartphone, like an iPhone or a Droid, because they believe it or not, they've got apps that you can put right on your uh, your Droid or an iPhone, and and via your home LAN can connect to the PC, which in turn can control your railroad. So, uh, so we're advancing in technologies in all directions. Um, the, the second uh, major component is a compan- is a the second major component is a command station. This is um, it's the brains of the operation, and essentially it accepts signals from the input device and changes them to digital information packets, and they're then transmitted out uh, as the NMRA DCC standard, and it goes to the third component, which is called a power booster. And the power booster receives this DCC digital info from the command station. It then amplifies that, transmits them out to the track, and also provides the power to run the trains. Um, the power booster is connected to a pair of wires, which is typically referred to as a power bus, and that power bus goes out around the layout, and then we have track feeders which connect to that, and that's how we get that signal all the way around the railroad to uh, to run the locomotives. Good and, and the last um, key piece is a decoder, and uh, the decoder is installed in a locomotive, um, and that receives the command control packets that are, are traveling through the rails, and each one has its uh, own unique address. Most models will use the um, road number of the locomotive um, as the address because obviously it's right on the side of the engine, so there's uh, no chance of having to worry about memorizing all kinds of addresses and so forth. Um, the decoder is wired between the track pickups of the locomotive and the motor, so we then, with our throttle, control any voltage that is going to go to that motor, and that's how we can control the starting and stopping and, and so forth. 
Um, lighting can also be connected to uh, a decoder, and we can control the headlight, the backup light, and we even have the ability for special lighting effects, um, such as, let's say, ditch lights uh, on the front of an engine or a strobe or beacon or even a firebox flicker on a, on a steam engine. Um, we um, also have the ability to install sound decoders, which you know really bring our models uh, to life and uh, our miniature version of the, the prototype. So each of these four components work in harmony, and that gives modelers truly a, um, a realistic experience than we've ever had in model rarity before. Okay, so I understand the components I need. Now, Critical Link, and you've mentioned it, uh, is the wiring. You mentioned the uh, the bus. So, really, what do I need to do, you know, for the best best setup on wiring? Well, what we what we take a look at, um, and you'll hear the term uh, referred to as a power district. And um, you know, one of the the big selling points of DCC is that you don't need to divide your layout into individual electrical blocks for independent train control, which is true. Um, and you know the question that we hear most often from uh, from new new customers is you know why should I divide my layout up at all? And um, one of the reasons for that is we have more power available than we used to for running trains, and that can uh, pose a safety issue in in some aspects. You know many of the the DCC systems on the market today are rated for five amps of current or, or even more. And five amps, it might not sound like it, but five amps is actually quite a bit of current um, that if it's not controlled properly, you know, has the potential to do damage if you have uh, short circuits from, let's say, a derailment or, or that. Um, so an example I like to use, you can find right in your own home. You, know, you may have a 100 amp or 200 amp service supplying power to your house, but you certainly wouldn't you know, allow 100 amps of current um, go straight to your bedroom. Um, so we would control that by having a main circuit breaker or a main fuse in a panel, and then we have branch circuit breakers that are derated for, for let's say, a bedroom, and you know, that might be like a, a 15 amp circuit. So it brings the available fault current down to a safer, manageable level. And we can do the same thing in DCC. So DCC systems have a circuit breaker built into uh, the power booster. Um, so in essence, let's say a five amp system, that's the main circuit breaker, just like you'd have a main circuit breaker in your home. So what we, uh, what we do is we wanna divide the layout into smaller sections, and those smaller sections can be protected by DCC circuit breakers. And these circuit breakers, they're, they're fed directly from a DCC system, and then the output of each circuit breaker is then in turn connected to uh, the power districts of the layout. Uh, the circuit breakers, you know, they typically will have a, a trip rating that's lower than the main DCC system circuit breaker, and that can manage it so that we have a, a safer way to, uh, to, to run the trains. Um, another advantage of power districts is that's um, you can have your main line and your yard independently of each other. So let's say you have a switcher work in the yard and that one may accidentally go through a turnout and cause a short. And instead of taking the whole layout down and spoiling fun for guys working on the main line, um, only the yard circuit breaker would trip and, and shut down, but the main line actually will keep going. 
Okay. Now, how do I actually create these? Tell us about setting up a power district. Okay. Um, to start off, you know, a power district, essentially, it's a physical area on the layout. And the modeler will determine what areas he wants to separate from other areas of layout. And examples of this could be um, yards, uh, an engine terminal, uh, specific main lines, or an industrial district, and so forth. Um, creating the power district is essentially cutting gaps in both rails of the track at every possible entrance and exit to the physical area of the layout. Um, that you decided that you want as a power district. So if you, you know, if you've got a yard, you know, at either end of the yard, any place that you could come in and out of that, you want to cut both rails so that it's physically isolated from the rest of the track, which that in turn um, electrically isolates it from those other areas. And uh, there's there's two types of power districts. Uh, the districts each will have their own power booster is is possible, and then there's districts what I like to refer to as sub-districts, which are uh, protected by circuit breakers. And uh, you're going to need to determine where to create these power districts, and the best way to to do that is to take a look at the expected current draw for each operating location on the layout. Uh, So let's say you had a a 10-foot by 12-foot HO layout and has a basic yard, uh, double-track main line, and a small industrial area, let's say. Um, so after looking at all of your operating scenarios, we decide that we could have, you know, five or six locos running around the layout. So assuming uh, the locomotives have, you know, newer, efficient motors and maybe even sound, um, a 5-amp DCC system in most cases is more than adequate for powering um, in a- an average to a larger size home layout. So in that particular case, it might be advantageous to divide that layout into four different power districts. So we would use the yard, the industrial area, and each main line. So that breaks the, the, layout, the layout up. So what you would do is you would you'd cut the physical gaps that we were talking about earlier and create these districts in the sections of the railroad. So to, to wire this, we would run a pair of wires often referred to as a power bus under each layout um, of the power district. And a lot of times in HO scale, we recommend using like 14 gauge um, flexible wire. And all the track feeders of the specific district would then be connected to its respective uh, power bus underneath the layout. And what we would then do is connect the track output of a DCC system, or the, let's say we're using the 5-amp booster, and the output of that booster would connect to the line side of the four circuit breakers. And then from each circuit breaker output, you would then go to each power district power bus. And, um, you know, there's several manufacturers on the market that um, offer circuit breakers like DCC Specialties um, and uh, Digitrax has their PM42 for example and NCE has their EB series so there's there's a few different choices on there and um, since the circuit breakers uh, have a lower current rating than the DCC booster uh, usually around three to three and a half amps 
So now we've actually lowered that available fault current down to a safer level, but yet still have enough power available to run multiple trains in that uh, that power district. So that way, now if a short circuit or an overload occurs, only that power district shuts down and other operators can continue running. Um, and the one key thing to remember with these circuit breakers is that some of them, for example, DCC Specialties PSX series, they actually have an adjustable trip rating on them. So you always want to make sure that the circuit breaker um, is less than the actual available current of your power booster. If it's higher than that, then the circuit breaker won't trip and you're relying on the uh, circuit breaker and the booster to trip. So that's just something that you want to pay attention to. Okay. So... We talk about, you know, we have a, in D.C., we have a power pack, you know, and that, that does it all. That's your throttle and everything. Uh, and then explain to the people we've got, you know, the the power booster. Uh, you've just talked about power districts. So how many power boosters do you need? Do you have to have one per district? Well, generally, uh, our experience has shown that in, let's say, HO scale, uh, that if you have a 12 to 14-gauge power bus and use, um, say, 20 to 22-gauge track feeders, that a a 5-amp system um, generally could support up to six operators. So that means you could have six individual trains running on the layout simultaneously. Um, And I think we, we find that a lot of users overestimate the amount of booster power that's needed. Uh, and it goes back to what we uh, talked about earlier in the other question. At 5 amps, it, it really is a, a fair amount of power. And if you're running modern locomotives, you know, the motors are pretty efficient. And um, some of them, you know, they'll only draw up to a quarter of an amp. And that's, you know, even with a, a pretty sizable train running behind it. Uh, sound locomotives do tend to draw more. And that can push the amperage uh, up to a half to three quarters of an amp and maybe even some the older locomotives that don't have the efficient locomotives you could then get up into a a one amp draw Um, and you also need to factor in if you have any lighted rolling stock like a passenger car or lighted caboose or even uh, um, flashing rear end device such as uh, the ones that are made by ring engineering um, you know, a, a string of lit passenger cars may draw mm-hmm. uh, a quarter of an amp. So you do have to kind of consider um, your loads. Uh, but, you know, in all honesty, if, you've, if you're starting with a 5-amp system, go with the 5-amp booster that you got. And then if you start to see your train slowing down because you're, you're reaching the, the capacity of that booster, um, then maybe you might need to take a look at um, an additional booster in the area where you're seeing these um, slowdowns. You know that could be coming in and out of the entrance of a yard. So you know that's where you might need to take a look at it. But by dividing um, the power districts and using a combination of uh, power boosters and circuit breakers, then you can make the most efficient use of what we have for power that's uh, going to be feeding a, a mid mid-size home layout or large-size layout. But our suggestion is wire your layout with the anticipation of having multiple power districts and connect them all to one DCC booster and then only purchase an extra booster if you you really need it uh, because there's no reason to spend additional uh, valuable hobby dollars on something that you may not need. But since you wired ahead of time and you put the infrastructure in, 
it makes that change very, very simple. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to continue this series on the uh, the next uh, MRH podcast. So thank Gary for his time and information. I'm your host, Paul Gillette. And uh, stay tuned for the next one. We'll get into this subject more deeply. Thank you.